message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. The church, the very thing that Jesus Christ died for 2,000 years later, unstoppable by culture, unstoppable by kings, unstoppable by presidents, unstoppable by their gossip, unstoppable by what they think and their opinion. This is the church. So don't be afraid to pull the greatness out of me because God will use a message that pre is preached like this on a Sunday to change your life forever. And that's what we want to give way to. Can I get an amen? Okay, so real quick, Psalms 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> we are going full gospel. Why don't you just do this? High five the next person, the person next to you and just say, we're going there. High five that other person you ignored and say, we're going there too. And you guys can have your seat. <laughs> okay, while you're seated, can we all just give it up one more time for everyone who's listening to the podcast right now? Yes. I don't know. They're working out right now. They're driving in the car right now. They're in the fetal position, crying their eyes out in the corner of the bedroom, hoping that God's going to speak to them through this podcast. We're with you. Are we with them? Every week I get testimonies from this podcast, people uh, from literally all over the world. Uh, I hear from people from Hawaii. Man, wouldn't that be an awesome church plant? Maybe we'll do a Hawaii V1 campus and we'll send some of you guys down there to, to really suffer for the gospel. You know, people hit me up from other countries. We've got a guy from Bogota, Colombia. You know, mi corazón es Colombian. <laughs> And uh, we've got people from everywhere that just say that their lives are being changed by what happens in this room on Sunday. And uh, we're a church that believes in taking notes. We love scripture. We love to take it deeper. I've only got the next three hours with you right now for this message. There's only so much I can do in three hours. So um, don't be afraid to take notes. You know, there's no shame in the table of contents. We want to know the word better, scripture better. But let me ask you guys a question as we kick off part two to Better Together. We're in a series. If you missed last Sunday, you've got to go back and listen to it and get caught up. It's just like Netflix here. You know, you just can't miss an episode as we go. But have you ever gotten sick and then eaten something and you cannot eat that thing ever again? For me, you want to know what it is? You guys don't care. It's tuna. I used to be a tuna fan. I would eat. That's why I've gained weight. Because I can't eat tuna anymore. I got super sick and I ate tuna. And um, we won't, I won't tell you what happened, but I can never eat tuna again. Have you ever, let me ask you, here's another one. Have you ever fallen in front of a group of people? <laughs> Am I the only one? I'm talking your feet literally went like above your head. Have you ever done one of those where your foot goes like higher than your head? I'll never forget. I was asked to be in a parade when I was a teenager and it was like a school parade and, and we're going and I was on rollerblades actually because there was like a hockey thing that we had. So I'm rollerblading and there's this girl that I liked in the audience. Get offended, Julie. Um, and she was like kind of in the street. And so I saw her and I was like, oh, snaps, this is my cue to go backwards, you know, to skate backwards and show up for her. And I kid you not, I'm looking at her right when I winked at her. I hit this pothole and boom, <laughs> my feet like literally went over my head. 
We never dated though, Jules. We never dated. It was over. We got some parents in the house. Are there any parents in the house? Okay, some parents. Am I the only one who's ever had your sanity questioned when they just hit your, your switch and your kids provoked a rage out of you that thought like, I, I no longer can consider myself normal because I am feeling so much rage right now, I'm murderous. Am I the only one? <laughs> I got people waving me, Lord, pray for me, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I did. I thought that I knew what anger was. For those of you who are like married, no children yet, you're like, well, we have really bad arguments, but you don't have kids yet. That's another level of crazy. And, and they can look so cute and people would never understand. They look at Everly and they're like, she looks so angelic. And I'm like, sometimes. <laughs> but one of the deepest needs that everyone in this room has, and we're going through this series better together, is the need for empathy. So even as I begin to ask you questions about human experiences, that human experiences that most of us have had, and you started to respond, yeah, I have fallen in front of a group of people. Yeah, I, I have you know, gotten sick from eating something. I can't eat it again. I was fulfilling the basic need that you have for empathy, which is someone else understanding you. And you all have that need for under, for, to be understood. You have that need for empathy. And, you know, we're coming into this next season of our church where we're debuting meetups. And, you know, Evan, we're looking for him. You know, we're looking for all the single folks out there for that special somebody. And, you know, church is a great place to meet somebody. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Pastor Mike's not afraid to jump in and make a love connection for you. I have done it. Um, I have done it. Sometimes I'll tell people I think they're good for each other and they don't see it. And then they get a whole bunch of, of, of emotional healing and then they suddenly fall in love because they didn't like each other when they were both broken. And so maybe, maybe you're just on your journey of getting healed right now till you're ready for that right one or that's the best excuse I have for why you're still single, I don't know. <laughs> but we all have this need to, to, to feel empathy and feel like somebody cares and feel like somebody's connecting with us. And we do that with meetups because we only have so much time here before the theater puts me in cuffs and drags me out for going too long on this service. So the, the thing I want to speak to you though today, and I feel like some of you just need to know it's time to slow down. Everyone just say, slow down. You know, speed destroys empathy. That's one of the enemies to empathy is speed. You know, this, this morning, I love it when God gives me sermon material. This morning at five something in the morning, I was driving out to this place and I've got my family in, in our Kia Sportage rolling in luxury. And um, all of a sudden, I'm like, Julie had the, the car on, on E. I don't know if your, your spouse has ever given you the vehicle back on E and just been like, I have a gift for you. It's, <laughs> I have this gift for you. It's called a panic attack <laughs> when you're trying to get somebody somewhere and, and it's somebody left you with the car on E. But we go to the gas station. And this woman must have been in such a worse situation than I was because I'm thinking, I got to get the load in. This woman jumped out of the car, went into the gas station. She's literally cussing the guy, screaming, come on, you got to pump the gas faster. And while she's screaming and yelling at him, he's looking at me and I'm behind this woman and she's and he's winking at me like this is hilarious, you know, and, and it was so funny because as I watched that situation go down, she was going to be late for work and she was like, I messed up this morning. Come on, we got to go. And she's trying to recruit everyone at this at this uh, gas station to like help her pump her gas to get to work. But I realized that in that moment, there was something happening. She was moving so fast. 
She didn't even see the fact that she was being made fun of by this guy over the counter. And she missed the fact, like all the details dissipated. Like for example, if you travel across country via an airplane, you can't truly say you've seen the country because you're moving so fast and at such a high altitude, you're missing the details. But then if you slowed it down and you did it via car, you could say you saw something. But then if you did it via bike, you'd see more. Then if you walked it, you'd see even more. And then if you just sat in one place and stayed there, you see a whole lot. So speed destroys empathy. And if we're going to be the kind of church that gives empathy, we're going to have to be the kind of church. And I can't believe I'm saying it out loud because if you know me, you know that I'm just being obedient to the Lord right now because this is not who I am. I moved to New York because I couldn't take the speed of Indiana. Let's go. I hated it. Fast food is not fast in Indiana. It's like a three-course meal. We're coming with your fries, honey. No. I'm in a car. It's called a drive-thru. And so some of us in our life, we're missing the details, and we need to slow down. And, and it's hard to be empathetic. Like, for example, that woman was so consumed with the speed at which she had to get to work this morning that she could care only about one person, and it was her. She couldn't care about the guy on the other side of the counter. She couldn't care about me and my kids hearing her throw down 18 custards, you know, uh, as she's in a rush. She could only care about herself. And so one of the roots of selfishness is speed. Sometimes it's speed. It's going so fast that you miss it. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this. You can write this down in your notes. It says, post this at all the intersections. Dear friends, lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. And let your Italian rage and anger straggle along in the rear. That's the interpretation that I read when the Lord's speaking to me. Some of us are leading with our tongue and our words. We're not listening at all. Some of us in this place are even leading with our anger. Your anger leads, that's your legacy. Right now, if you were to die and I had to do your funeral, it'd be really hard to write some of your, your, your messages over your casket because you're living in such a life full of rage and anger and frustration that your legacy will have been that guy who was kind of always on edge. Your kids right now, if you were to ask them like, hey, you know, what, what do you remember most about this era in our life? If, if they could articulate it, some of them might say, it just seems like dad's always in a rush. Seems like dad's always frustrated. Seems like mom is always aggravated with me. And it's time to slow down. I need this word. This is for me. If this ain't for you, this is for me. I'm going to get free today. Is that all right? If I just take some chains off right in front of you and you just watch it? Second one is this, and this was like so funny to me. Okay, you can comprehend everyone in this room hearing my voice about 450 words a minute, but I can only speak about 110 to 150 words a minute. So you have a 300 word gap where you get a little bit bored. Am I the only one who like lives in that space? where I comprehend faster than people can talk. And even before it comes out of their mouth, I'm like, okay, go ahead and say it. I've been waiting for you to say it. Uh-huh. Am I the only one? You know? Because there's this 300-word gap where you're just like, let's go, sir. And if you're anything like me with that ADD brain, you know, it's like, okay, I get it. I got it. Good. You know, I used to lead a staff of 30 interns and they were all in different phases of their learning. And it was so hard not to just physically push them down and grab it from them and run. 
because I was just ready to go. But I had to learn how to empathize. I had to learn how to get out of myself. Your value is hidden in your empathy. You can write that down. Your value is hidden in your empathy. If you want to increase your value in people's lives. Oh, let me just say it again. Some people in this room, if you're lonely and nobody ever calls you, it might be because you're not empathetic. It might be because when you're talking, it's mainly about you. And people know if they call you, that's going to be the topic of conversation is you. It's funny how like if you begin to get empathetic, suddenly you'll attract, you'll become attractional and your life will begin to fill up with other people. But you got to become a better listener. And that's that James 119. It says, dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue. Maybe in your meetups, you think about that as you're going through these groups and these meetups, like how am I leading with my ears and am I being a better listener than a better speaker? You know, when I'm preaching, my mind is processing information. I'm trying my best to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm trying my best to deliver what I've studied this week and prepared for you guys here. But then when we get to after service, I've got to tell myself, slow down, Mike, slow down, listen, look them in their eyes, give them the dignity of a good conversation because they're here. They showed up with their presence. And, and I have to remind myself, some, even as I prepared this message all week, there are times where I would pause and look at my kids and just be more aware of how old they were, more aware of what they were saying and thinking. I just let everything around me just begin to slow down. And it was so liberating to me. And I believe it does have to be a supernatural thing. If you're like me, you can't even take a pill that'll help you do that. You just got to like, it's got to be God, right? You know, when I uh, was a teacher, because you guys know I used to be a teacher at one point, um, I used to come home and I started drinking like half a pot of black coffee before I got off of work. And then I'd come in the door and I'd hit, try to hit that reset button. And I would say like, God, I want to be a husband and a dad who's present. And, and hopefully that's you today. You're saying, man, when I walk out of this place, I'm going to be more present, more aware. I'm going to slow down. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says, knowing what is right is like deep water in the heart. A wise person draws from the well within. And so if you want to be a wise person in this place, you've, you've actually got to draw from the well that's in other people by asking questions. By saying, now here's the way that you do it. And, and this is so powerful. Learn how to ask the question twice. So this, I'm going to equip all of you guys. Here's, here's the way you do it. Like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm cool. I'm, I'm fine. It's all right. Then pause and look at him again and say, no, how are you doing? And you'll get a different answer every single time. If we can be the kind of church that somebody walks in and they get asked that question back to back twice. No, how are you doing? I believe that we'll have the kind of relationships that can sustain us into the next level for what God called us to do. And, and don't, here's the thing, don't be afraid of silence in your relationships. Don't be afraid to ask those questions of people and just wait a little while and let them talk and let them speak. And, and, and see, the thing about it is, if you've ever gone somewhere and just felt the peace of God, if you've ever gone into someone's house and just felt his presence, you know that didn't happen on accident, right? Disney is built on swampland in Florida. But I'm telling you, once you get off that plane and you take that bus ride and you land into, and you get into Disney, you are no longer in Disney. You know where you're at? Or, I mean, you're no longer in Florida, you're in Disney. 
You're in an environment that was created, a culture that was created. Here's the thing. This might be a spiritual swampland. Long Island might be a place where people cut you off on the road. It might be a loveless environment where nobody even extends a helping hand or a job or whatever you need. It might be that spiritual swampland where you just feel like, man, it's hard to be friends with people here because of the busyness and the pace of life. But when you come into V1 Church, it's a place that we're intentional. It's a place where we've built this culture where people say, man, it's an anomaly. It's weird. It's different. It, I've never encountered anything like that before. But it starts with you. It starts with everyone that's, that, that's hearing the sound of my voice right now saying, I want to be the kind of person that gets out of myself and begins to ask those hard questions. How are you doing? And then pauses and says, no, how are you doing? Because if a church exists on Long Island that can meet people's emotional needs for empathy, that's a church that you can't hold back the growth on because that's such a deeply ingrained need. Maybe you're in this place and all you've ever wanted was for someone to understand. Am I the only one? Some of the darkest, darkest episodes in my life where I've gone to alcohol or I've gone into relationships I shouldn't have have been fueled by one simple statement. Nobody understands. Am I the only one who said those words before? So if you're here, maybe somebody does. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 and 16 says, bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. We went through that last month. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. Can I get an amen to that? Be friends with the nobodies. Maybe you're the nobody who needs a friend. Cry with those who cry. You know, there's somebody here at this church several months ago when I moved that I just went up to him after service was over and I just said, you know what? I just want to tell you that you're awesome, that you're doing a great job in life. I see you fighting. I see you pushing. And all of a sudden he just began to cry. And I don't know why, but I was so moved because, you know, men don't cry. That's not a default mode for a lot of men, especially in our machismo culture. And as he began to cry, something started to well up in me. I believe it was a holy empathy. And I cried with him and we embraced each other. And as we began to cry together, it was like, man, this is a powerful moment. I felt like I was living out Romans chapter 12, verse 15 and 16. And do you know that several months later down the line, that person reached out to me and they said, you know, there were a couple of times where I actually thought about leaving V1 Church because I was just going through it. And, and it was in those moments when I thought to myself, when you stood there holding me and we cried together, I felt an empathy from you that I have never felt from another man. And I've always said nobody understands, but I feel like I don't have the right to say that anymore. Isn't that amazing? Because listen, you'll come out here maybe two Sundays for the lights, maybe three Sundays for the music, because they are amazing. But you're not gonna put down roots here and live and die by the vision of this church. Say, I wanna go all the way, unless you know that there are some people in this place who will cry when you cry, who will laugh when you laugh, who will go all the way with you. Am I right? Empathy isn't just saying I'm so sorry, it's saying that I actually hurt with you. And there's a difference. The world will tell you, hey, man, I'm so sorry you're going through that. But the Christians have this unusual thing in our spirit that the Holy Spirit, who's the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one who can actually feel those 
feelings can actually well up inside of you and give you access to this feeling and this ability to understand where people will say, I'm not just sorry you hurt, but I actually hurt with you. And man, that is something amazing to see on display. Something that we're going to do here in this church is we're going to be accommodating. We are going to be accommodating. I know this isn't like shout me down, throw a hanky at me style preaching, but we're going to accommodate people. And you know what that means to accommodate? It means to give people space. It means to be okay when they're on different stages of learning because not everyone is intelligent as you are. Is that okay? Not everyone's going to get it. Some of you guys are so like spiritual that you can't accomplish nothing for the kingdom. And then what will happen is that you'll actually watch a noob come and pass you up and do more out of their stupid obedience than you do out of your intellectualized disobedience. Hey, I'm sorry. (laughs) One of my mentors used to say, if you throw a rock (laughs) and it hits somebody. But here's the thing. We're going to give people room to grow. We're going to give people room to mess up. We're going to give them space to not get it right. We're going to let people try to operate in spiritual gifts and sometimes say the wrong thing. Because when you're learning how to ride a bike, you've got to learn on grass before you learn on cement. And we have to create safe spaces where people can learn to grow. And we just shake it off and said, no harm, no foul. They didn't mean it like that. Or they did, but the cross is enough. One of the values that I have for my life is to have an unoffendable heart. You can't stop a Christian with an unoffendable heart. You can't stop, let me say, you can't stop a Christian with an unoffendable heart. You know, there are some flavors in the richness of life that you can only taste if you stop to chew on that moment. Slow down, slow down. You know, if you're like me, you're like inhaling your food, wolfing it down, don't even know what it tastes like, could have been full of razor blades. And you're living your life like that and you're not giving people space. You're not giving them empathy. You're not understanding and you're just like a bull just running through life, destroying everything in its wake. But you don't even know the damage because you're so many miles from the damage you did in your mind already. And today, you're going to walk out of here free. And you know, something that God spoke to me, and this is for somebody, we're wrapping this thing up right now. Psalms 46.10 says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted among the earth. You know, at the time when this scripture was written, Jerusalem was being threatened by the armies of the Assyrians. And this takes a different meaning when you actually understand the context of what was happening. I need like a couple of people. Mom, let me hit my mom. She's in the audience. Come on up. I need, I'm gonna show you guys something. How many of you have heard this scripture before? Be still and know that I am God. Okay, cool. Heather, can you come down? All right. And so what you have is this situation where Jerusalem is being threatened by the armies of the the Assyrians. And God says, be still and know that I am God. Oh, come on. And I want you guys to have this visual as you go, because this is the vision for this church. And this is the vision for what we're going to do. So what happened is this. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah, just side by side like that. So every single person in this place, the way that your eyes are built biologically is that you actually see two-dimensionally and your brain receives these cues that it interprets into three-dimensional data. Does that make sense? And so your eyes are made in such a way 
that it needs more information to determine the perspective. So what happens is this, be still and know that I am God, is this, this philosophy of interposition. See, the word that he was using was be still and know actually means to let your hands cast down, let them fall. So let your hands just fall, especially by your side. Let them be slack and let them be limp, let them be dead. It's also employed as a word in the Hebrew here to not make any effort. Be still and know that I am God. And see, what happened is this. This interposition is an object overlapping another so that it's judged closer by the viewer. So until you create interposition in your sight, you will not see in dimension. You will only see in a, in a flat plane. But what happens is this. Maybe anxiety is still going to be there. Maybe depression is still going to be there. Maybe financial worry and doubt and anxiety in the bank account still below. It's still going to be there. But God was saying, be still. And he was repositioning just a little overlay. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's still going to be here, what you're going through. But if I can change your perspective, if I can create an interposition where there's a little bit of me on that anxiety, where there's a little bit of me on that depression, where there's a little bit of me on what you're going through, I, if you could just bring me into the picture, then, and, and see, here's what was so powerful, the Hebrew for be still and know was actually saying, let your hands hang down. So what God was saying is it wasn't going to be your fight and your hands and what you could physically do. It was going to be your eye and that you see it. And he said, be still and know. And as he said that, he was saying, as your eyes change the perspective, you will see me as God, not this as God. As you put me in the picture overlap it, overlay me, because I have Christians I meet with every single week, but you don't understand, it doesn't go away, it doesn't go away. See, the armies of the Assyrians was still in the distance, you couldn't take them away from the view of the, of the Israelites, but he was saying, if you would be still and interposition me, overlapping that view, you would know that I am God and not them. If you would partially block the image of the thing that you are treating like God, you would see that God is truly God. If you would partially obscure it just a little bit, if you'd bring them in just a little bit, would you just stand to your feet with me? Some of you have been fighting this physical warfare. You've been fighting with your words. You've been fighting with everything you've got, showing up to work. You've been doing everything you can to get the business to go to the next level, to take your family, to take your spouse to the next level in faith. And God is saying, be still, slow down. Put me in that picture just a little bit and you will not be able to change my position because your eyes will be forced to see me for who I am. The action is no longer in your hands, it's in your eyes. What I want you to do right now is just close your eyes. And, and right now I'm asking you to exercise just as you saw that picture. I want you to think about the thing in your life that has been holding you back. I want you to think about the thing that you've been struggling with, the thing that you've been just suffering with. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's, 
Maybe it's uh, your own doubt. Maybe you just can't get past that doubt that's in front of you. Maybe it is your finances. And I want you to see it right now. Now, what I want you to do with your eyes closed is I want you to picture now God just begin to overshadow it just a little bit. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. The word exalt there is interposition. I will now take the foreground and that will have to take the background. That's what begins to happen. Because you've been struggling, well, God, why doesn't go away? And God's like, maybe it's not going to go away. Maybe it's got to change from the foreground to the background. Now, with every eye closed, if there's someone here. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.